Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. Today we're going to continue our series called Faces. And you know, Pastor Todd's been talking about how our faces, uh, our facial expressions can tell other people a lot about what's going on in us, or we can tell what's going on in other people's lives just from their facial expression, right? Um, some people, are, you might be good. You may be like a good poker player. Others, like me, uh, I, I probably wouldn't do good at that. <laughs> my wife's sitting there laughing, and my mom, they're both shaking their head like, nope. No, that, I, that you know what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. Maybe not what I'm thinking, but what I'm feeling from my facial expressions. Again, Pastor Todd talked about that's why we got the world of emojis, and that's why emojis become so popular. You can send a text or you can post something and put facial expressions to let you know even, you know, what you're feeling to a, a greater extent. So in week one, Pastor Todd talked about the face of anger. And then last week, he talked about the face of depression. So this morning, I'm going to talk about a face that is very common in our society and is continuing to increase. So if you're in Luke chapter 10, I'm going to begin reading in verse 38 where Jesus uh, speaks to a lady specifically about this. So in Luke 10, 38, says this, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about the face of worry. The face of worry. Just as Martha was worried about all kinds of stuff, we tend to worry about all kinds of things too, right? Right? I know you, you got skin and blood just like me. We worry. But let me ask you this question. This week, how many of y'all maybe flooded or knew somebody that flooded back in August and Wednesday when that weather came, you started becoming a little worried? Be honest. Right. I know I would listen. I was actually preaching and I mean, praying and preparing this about to prepare this message or continue to work on it. And the rain just started coming down. And I, I started worrying for people I know in this church. I had a brother in the church earlier today. I was thinking about him and texting him. And so a few people were it got close and thankfully no water. Anybody in here got any water in your house? I know a couple of you did on, on from Wednesday, this just just this past Wednesday. Okay, well, if you did, come talk to one of us or maybe call the church Monday if you need some help. I actually know one guy, I actually saw him on the news uh, that got water in his house. Again, they still wasn't back in from August, and they got water in their house on Wednesday. You know, and I begin to think about that. My, my sweet little neighbor right behind me, Miss Menorah, little lady, got water in her house. She's flooded six or seven times already. And I was sitting there Wednesday praying and in the presence of God, and as it started raining, I began to worry about other people. And then it hit me, that's crazy, I'm actually preaching on worry Sunday. And how I'm going to try to encourage y'all not to worry. But it's a, it's, it's a tendency we all have, right? It's a tendency when something's happening or you think something is about to happen, we worry. Are we beginning to get a little anxiety? You know, maybe it wasn't about the rain on Wednesday, but maybe, you know, you worry about some of the unrest in the world. You know, you can't turn on the news even locally without seeing shootings taking place and killings. Or you see natural disasters all over, floodings or wildfires, earthquakes, maybe the terrorist attacks that continue to increase. You know, maybe you're still in a place where you worry about the uncertainty of the economy. Maybe you've gotten laid off from your job and you still haven't found a job or you found one and it's not making as much money. And are you just maybe you're working and just have a hard time making ends meet and you worry often about finances. Maybe you have some health issues or someone that you love has health issues that 
that are worrying you. Maybe you have a wayward child or grandchild that, you know, used to know the Lord but has gone away from the Lord and, and, and that, that keeps you up at night. It worries you. Or maybe if, if you like us sometimes and you, you know, just, just having children, sometimes just the way your children are behaving and, and acting begins to concern you or worry you. Have you ever been there? Where you're like, man, my, my child, I've been praying, it's going to be a world changer, but they being a knucklehead right now. You know, you ever had that feeling? Come on, parents, help me out, right? You know, and it's like you start worrying, like, what's going on with my children, you know? And, and so there's all kind of things that, you know, these are uh, many things we can worry about in life. And maybe some of the majors, maybe as I'm saying this, you have other things that you popped in your mind. And some of them are smaller issues. It doesn't matter if it's major or if it's minor. The Bible tells us not to worry. It commands us not to worry. Philippians 4, 6 in the Amplified Version says, do not be anxious or worried about what? Anything. Big or small, it says, do not be anxious or worry about anything. And just as this verse uses um, both of these words, um, you're going to hear me use both of them as well because anxiety and worry are, are close cousins. Actually, one of the definitions of anxiety is to be greatly worried, right? So why does the Bible tell us not to be worried about anything? Well, one of the main reasons is because of the effects that worry has on us. Worry affects us spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, when we worry, it, 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 it takes a toll on our lives in every single uh, facet. Now, let me just, let me just read some, some facts about what worry does to our physical bodies. The stress hormones that worry dumps into your system shrinks brain mass, lowers your IQ, makes you prone to heart disease, cancer, and premature aging, causes marital problems, family dysfunction, depression, which Pastor Todd talked on last week, and makes seniors more likely to develop dementia and Alzheimer's. That's all effects from worrying. The chemicals that are released in your brain, it, it, it brings on uh, such a, 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 a bad reaction in your physical body. And, you know, we know that. I mean, you know when you're sitting there worrying, you know that just the way you're feeling, right? It doesn't feel good to worry, right? It, it, you don't like the stress, the anxiety that worry has on your body. But we know that just according to this, just reading this, and I, I mean, I read this this week online, but I, I even found out even more specifically, I talked to a doctor personally last year. I, I went visit with someone uh, right after they, they had a colonoscopy and they were having stomach pains and digestive problems. So I went visit with them after, was waiting on the results. And the doctor came in and told this person that their, that their colon looked good and, and that they didn't see any polyps. There was no sign of cancer or any of that kind of stuff. So we just started talking and asking them, well, you know, things that we knew, well, could diet play a part in that? Yeah, absolutely. And I asked him, I said, what about anxiety? I said, could anxiety be causing these major abdominal pains and digestive problems? He said, absolutely. Listen to what he said. He said, as a matter of fact, most of the patients that I see that are dealing with abdominal or, or uh, digestive problems, he said, it's because of high levels of anxiety. That was a gastro doctor right here in town that, that told me that. And I was like, wow, man, it shows the effect that, that high levels of worry and anxiety can have on your body. We're not designed to carry the burden of worrying, fretting, and anxiety. The load is simply too much for the human body to tolerate. That's one of the reasons he tells us not to worry. Did you know that the def one of the definitions of worry is, listen to this, to torment oneself with or suffering from disturbing thoughts. Worrying is tormenting yourself. 
having disturbing thoughts and, and whatnot, it's tormenting. Listen, I, I understand we have a real enemy out there and, and, and we do fight in the spiritual realm. But, but, you know, sometimes I think people give the devil too much credit. Sometimes we say, man, the, you know, the enemy's really beating me up. He's been attacking me. Sometimes we're doing it to ourselves. Sometimes things that we are purposely or we're continuously worrying about and rolling around in our brains are, are, are really... Now, the enemy will, will piggyback on that. He will come in and try to mess with you anymore, even more when he sees you. But, but this definition means that you're actually tormenting yourself by replaying disturbing thoughts and ideas about things that are happening or the key that hasn't even happened yet. So from everything we just read, we know this to be true. So listen... We need to stop tormenting ourselves, church. We need to stop tormenting ourselves. So I want to give you a few ways to get free from worry this morning. A few ways to get free from worry. Number one is that it's simple. You must make a decision. Well, it seems simple. Make a decision to stop worrying. Make a decision to stop worrying. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 10 says this. So refuse to worry. And look at this. And keep your body healthy. Refuse to worry. Why don't you go put, put that scripture up, please? Refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. Listen, even back then, before all this, this medical science, King Solomon knew that there was a connection between worry and our health. You see that? Refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. He knew there was a connection there. And of course, we know it psychologically, mentally, spiritually. We know that the effects that worry have on us. So we must start by making a decision that I'm not going to worry. Now, listen, again, I get it. This is easier said than done. I just confessed that Wednesday I was worrying, right? I, I know it's, it's not an easy thing, but you have, to, you have to make a point. And of course, not do it on our own. We're going to look at that in a minute. But make a point that at least I'm starting today. Hopefully some of you in here will walk out of this building and start today and say, man, I've been worrying about this for hours, months, days, weeks, months, maybe years. But I'm going to make a decision today to stop worrying about this. You know, I read a true story about someone who made this decision. I just want to read it to you. A lady named Martha was asking to... Uh, to drive an elderly lady to the clinic for an annual checkup. Martha didn't know this woman. All she was told was that this person was more than 90 years old and probably quite frail. But the person who opened the door when Martha knocked could hardly be described as old and frail. The person who stood before Martha was a lady who appeared to be in her 70s at most. Do you mind me asking how old you are, Martha asked on the drive to the doctor? 93, the woman answered. Martha was astonished. You look so much younger, she said. What's your secret? You want to guess what her secret was? Well, honey, she answered, 30 years ago, I made a decision to stop worrying, and I haven't wasted a moment on worry ever since. That was her secret. 93 years old, and she said she didn't look like she was more than in her 70s. She said, I made a decision 30 years ago that I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to waste a moment. Listen, worry is a waste of time, guys. Worry is a waste of time. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, 25 through 26. He says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use in worrying over big things? So obviously that was a rhetorical question. Jesus said, worry can't add a single moment. So listen, worry can't add time and worry is a waste of time. Worry can't add time and worry is a waste of time. Now listen, part of refusing 
to worry or making a decision not to worry is you, you need to find out what are the sources of your worry. Now, some are obvious. Again, you know, if you're having some major health issues, major maybe marital problems, you know, there are certain things that obviously are, are they're, they're very obvious. But other things, you know, we, we have so much, um, so many things at our fingertips and so many outlets of information nowadays. Uh, you got to be careful on, on, on what's the source of, of your worry. If, if you, you know, you follow the stock market, it might be the stock market that that's worrying me. If you, you know, watch the news, it, it, it may be the news. I was telling the first service that, like my wife, she can't stand watching the news because there's so many negative reports. Would you agree? Matter of fact, just a couple of nights ago, I was watching the 10 o'clock news and the way our house is, you know, we have our wall with our TV on it and then the kitchen's right on the other side of the wall. So right when the news started, she went to the kitchen and I'm watching the news and I could hear in the kitchen, she was like, kill, 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 shoot, shoot, shoot. That, that, that's all, you know, she's just like, she, and she's thinking that this is why I don't watch the news because she's hearing the report the first five, ten minutes and that she can't stand it. That's a, that's a source of anxiety for her. She can't watch that right before going to bed. And see, like for me, I notice it's social media for me personally. I just, I've realized it recently, and it's because of some of the news reports. It's because of the way people argue and talk to each other on social media or things that I see posted. It's just like, you know, for me personally, I just notice when I'll get on social media sometimes, and in 10 minutes, I feel this low level of anxiety coming up in me. And I'm like, you know what? I just, for some reason, I just lost my peace. So I'm going to go ahead and close out that app and uh, I guess keep watching the news, which I guess... (laughs) For me, it's not, I don't know, but it shows you, listen, for some, I don't know, for me, I hear those reports and they're disturbing, but I don't know, for me, that's a source of anxiety is social media. I can watch the news, I like current events, you know, but whatever it may be, are y'all, y'all tracking with me? You know, for some people, it's not a big deal, but just for me, I identified it recently, and so you know what, I've cut down that time, or if I even sense that something could be, start worrying me, I get off of it. Now, could not only be the things that we're taking in, the platforms of, 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 of information, but it also... I read something that was interesting, and I know the first service, I knew this one. Not only what we're getting, but just these devices itself. This little thing I'm holding in my hand. If you have a a smartphone, I was watching a documentary the other night, and they were talking about the effects of of phones in our lives. And specifically, they were talking about teenagers and younger people, but just all of us. And this is what they said. A recent study showed that our phones are keeping us in a constant state of low-level anxiety. For people who check their phone every 15 minutes or less, cortisol, which is the flight or fight chemical, is released, which causes anxiety. And the only antidote to it is to check your phone. So in other words, if you check your if you're one that like, you like to check your phone often, you send somebody a text and you're wondering, man, why they hadn't replied? Or you posted something on social media and you, you like to go back and 15 minutes later and check, see if there's any likes or if somebody shared it or something like that. They say that, that you're living in a constant state of low-level anxiety, and the only way that you're going to resolve that is to check your phone and see. That's pretty disturbing, isn't it? So I'm just encouraging you, check the source of what's going on in your life. You know, I know we're all, look, I'm guilty. We're all tethered to these things that some, we use it for work and all kind of stuff, but just, I'm just encouraging you, whatever it is. I know I've, I've touched like two sacred cows at least here right now, 
But I'm just trying to encourage you. If you're dealing with worry, you might say, man, I don't, some of you are probably like, I don't care about this. I'd rather, I want to throw it out the window every time I get in the car. So it's maybe not a big deal. I'm just encouraging you. If you're dealing with worry, if, if worries or anxiety is a, a big thing in your life, easy, some are easy to pinpoint. But listen, make a decision to stop worrying. And if there's something like, why am I feeling anxious all of the time? I would encourage you to pray and try to check some of the sources of maybe what's coming into your life. Y'all with me? Number two, uh, thank you for not throwing your phone at me, by the way. Number two, get a different perspective on your problems. Get a different perspective on your problems. Okay, I want us to all do a little exercise. I, I saw actually Pastor Larry uh, uh, wrote this a couple of weeks ago. So everybody close one eye and take your other finger and put your finger up to the open eye. Like put it all the way up to your eyeball. What do you see? Basically just your finger, right? Now just slowly move your finger away from your eye. Now what can you see? A lot more, right? You see more of the room. Okay, that little bitty exercise is just an exercise on perspective. You see, what happens is, you know what? That finger, our finger never changed size, did it? No. When it was closer, it looked a lot bigger than it was, and you couldn't see anything else in the room. But when you move your finger away and start looking at the big picture and you get a different perspective, you can realize this problem may not be as bigger as I'm making it out to be, right? We see two different perspectives perspectives in the book of Numbers when Moses sent out people to scout out the promised land. I'm going to just read a little bit of the story in case you haven't read the story. And I just want to, I want you to get this picture of what, of what happened here with these uh, uh, scouts. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, it says, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a, a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. And he said, we saw all kind of people living there. Then look, the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the, the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the, the land, he said. We can conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We cannot go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spared this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored would devour anybody who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now jump over. I'm going to look just the next chapter, just a few verses. Numbers 14, starting in verse 6. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people. They are helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. So you see, 12 men went into the land and they all observed the same thing, right? They all saw the same thing. But 10 of them had a different perspective than the other two did. And the reason why is because 10 of them we're worried because they said, we can't do this. The people are too big. The, the giants are too, they're too large. They kept saying, we can't do it. We're not strong enough. But the other two, Caleb and Joshua, they didn't say we can't. They said, the Lord is going to do this for us. You see, and I think that's a big problem with us and why we worry because we truly think that we got to walk through this on our own and that the Lord is not going to come through for us in this big problem. 
We have a lot of giant problems we see in our own land, and we feel like the Lord's not going to come through. But listen, he will. we got to change our perspective and realize that the Lord is with us, and he will help us. He wouldn't tell us not to worry and then leave us, hang us out to dry. He's telling us not to worry. One of the reasons is being he's right there with us, and he's going to help us through it. So let me just give you a few other tips on how to get a different perspective on your problems. When you're worried about something, ask yourself a few questions. Is this problem really that bad? goes back to perspective. Is it that, this big? Is it as big as it looks? Is it possible that some good can come out of this? Is it possible that some good? Romans 8.28 says God works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So we got to try to find the good in everything. Try to see the glass half full instead of half empty, right? Is there another way to look at this crisis and then look, see growth in my life? Is there another way I can look at this problem and say, you know what, how can I grow through this? Maybe you're having a major problem in your family, in your home. You know what? Instead of spouses, married couples, instead of turning on one another, why don't, hey, use it as an opportunity to grow closer together as a couple, right? You know, me and my wife are having some work done on our house right now. And, and you know, when you hire people to come to your house, sometimes it, it, the job gets bigger and messier than you thought. You ever been there? And, you know, you got to, people are doing a job. You got to go behind and clean up and whatnot. And they're doing some work in our attic. So we closing the vents and stuff. And like two or three nights straight, we had long days. And I, we come home, we got to open the vents. And there's insulation falling. And we got to clean up and stuff. And, you know, we were... Um, you know, we had a couple emotional upheavals where we were just a little frustrated just with the situation and, and where we were at and we were tired and we got a little plan. I said, okay, I'll open the vents and try to get everything out. You come clean up. And so we, as we were doing that, we were both frustrated and, you know, just a small, but I just popped it up my head in the room and I just said, hey, I said, this is teamwork. And she's like, Oh, you're so right. Thank you for saying that. Hey, you know, this is an opportunity for us to grow in our marriage. Because I'll be honest, there's been times where we've had stressful moments and we've turned against each other instead of helping each other. So you see, in problems, see if you can, hey, ask yourself, can I grow spiritually from this? And the answer is yes, you can grow from any situation. You have the right perspective. Can I grow in my relationship with my spouse, my children? Maybe you're having a problem at work. Instead of turning on your coworker and trying to get them fired, see if you can maybe grow in your relationship with them, right? I know a lot of amens on that. Some of y'all are trying to get y'all coworkers fired over here. Here's another question to ask. Will I really remember this in 10 years? Will you even remember it in 10 months? You know, I, I think about this. A lot of times I look back on years, but, you know, especially when I was early in ministry, I was a youth pastor, and things that looked huge and felt so weighty, when I look back on it, I was like, that didn't seem so bad. You know, when you get past it, it's really not. You know, and sometimes because we blow the problem up, will I even remember it 10 months or 10 years from now? And then one more, and this is probably the big one, it, is it even worth being worried about? I mean, I know we're not supposed to worry, and that's the whole premise of this message, but is, is it even worth being worried about? You know, there's a few different stats out there. One stat says like 80 to 85% of the things that we worry about never even happen. 80 to 85% never even happen. Now, Anna found me this little chart. Go ahead and put it up, Anna. This one says 40%, but look at these right here. And this kind of helps you to, to answer the question if it's even worth being worried about. This one says like 40% of the things we worry about never happen. 30% have already happened and we can't do anything about them. You ever worried about something that's already happened? It's like spilt milk, but you're still worrying. You're just you're playing it over in your mind. 12% are needless worries about health. 
Sometimes we worry about, you know, things that, oh, man, I got chest pains. You're like, man, am I having a heart attack? It may just be gas, and that's it, you know. That's, that actually happens. It just, you can, it can happen that way. 10% are pretty uh, uh, just, you know, diff- different little issues, you know. Uh, 8% are real issues. Half we can do little about. And the other half, or we cannot do little about, and the other half we can't. So when you look at this chart, really only 4% of what we worry about, if this is accurate, is stuff we can even control. I remember Tim Tebow saying years ago that I'm, I'm going to make, he said, I refuse to worry about things that I cannot control. And I remember hearing that, I was like, man, that is a good saying. I refuse to, to, to worry about anything that I can't control. And most of the stuff we worry about is not in our control. So it's not worth Worrying about at all. So get a different perspective on your problems. The third thing I want to share is that we must make God's presence and promises a priority. We must make God's presence and promises a priority. Do you remember the first scripture we, we read in Luke chapter 10? Martha was worried about all the details of dinner while Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Look at Luke 10, 41 and 42 again. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha... You are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus said the only thing, the one thing worth being concerned about is being in his presence. You see, and that's just it. We, we, he, he said worth being concerned about. We, see, we worry about the wrong things, basically, is what he's saying. We worry about the, the things we should be concerned about is, hey, how's my relationship with the Lord? How much time am I getting in his presence? Because you see, when you do that, if you're concerned about and you're making it a point to be in the presence of the Lord, then those other worries start melting away. The Bible says, in your presence, the mountains melt like wax. So a lot of us have built mountains of worry in our life, but we're not in the presence of the Lord. So there's still mountains and they're growing. But when you bring these things in the presence of the Lord, they begin to melt away. See, when, when the priority of his presence is out of line, that's when worry creeps in. When the priority of his presence is out of line, that is when worry creeps in. We all make things priority, right? You know, I heard somebody talking about procrastination the other day, and they said, oh, well, I'm a procrastinator. And this guy's take was, I don't, I don't believe there's any such thing as a procrastinator. And this girl was like, well, what do you mean? He said, well, if, if, she said, because, like, you know, I do, I procrastinate, I wait till the last minute. She said, he said, no, you just don't make things priority. He said, if I told you to be here at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning and I'd give you a million dollars, what would you do? She said, I'd be here five minutes early. He said, exactly. Because you're making it a priority, right? So we need to make spending time in God's presence a priority. And then the things that we worry about wouldn't be that big of a deal. Another way worry creeps in is when we stop trusting what the Lord says. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. He likens those that trust in the Lord and trust in the Lord's promises as trees. And he said they don't worry about it when things get heated, whenever there's long months of, of drought. They don't worry about that. When they trust, the, listen, the, the trees don't worry about drought. They don't have to, you know, you ever see a, a tree checking a weather app? 
No, I've never seen one. I got quite a few in my yard. They just, they, they know that, hey, the Lord's going to, for us, we look at bad weather like, oh, this is bad. The trees are loving it, right? The Lord's providing them. They produce fruit. And they, you know, he likens us to a tree that, that if we trust in the Lord, we're not going to be worried about these things. There's a great illustration of this in 1 Samuel. There's a lady named Hannah. She was barren for a long time, didn't have any children, and she wanted to have kids. And so she was deeply distressed. And at one point, when she went to the temple to, for an annual sacrifice, she, wouldn't, she refused to eat. So in 1 Samuel 1, 9, I want to read some of the story. It says, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Would you say she had some anxiety in her life? She made this vow, O Lord of heaven's army, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime, and as a sign that he, he has been dedicated to the Lord, he will never cut his hair. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back, listen to this, and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad you see Eli was the high, the priest at the time and she took what he said about her prayer request as a word from the Lord may the Lord grant whatever she took that as a word as a promise from the Lord and the Bible says she got up she went eat and she was no longer sad in other words she didn't worry about it anymore she believed the man of God and what she felt like God was telling her amen and so and guess what she had a son and his name was Samuel and we got two books of the Bible that are named after him, right? So after all this time of worrying, every year, if you read the story, every year she would go and she would do the same thing. And she would, she would cry and she would be bitterly weeping and in anguish and not eat. But when she get this, this, got this word from the Lord, she said she, the Bible says she was no longer sad. When we get a hold of God's promises, lock on to a promise, we need to, then, then, then the, the, the worries of the world begin to fade away. We need to focus on the promise instead of focusing on the problem. Somebody might need to write that down. We need to focus on the promise instead of focusing on the problem. And then the fourth and final thing I want to encourage you how to get free from worry is that you must do a weight shift. You must do a weight shift. Proverbs 12, 25 says this, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. You know that if you've been worrying for any amount of time, worry is a weight, Right? Worry is a weight that we carry around with us. It's something that weighs us down again physically, mentally, spiritually, relationally. That's why Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Now, I like the way it says in this translation because we're talking about worry. But actually, it's more accurate in the New King James Version. It says, casting all your cares on him. For he cares for you. That word casting gives us a better picture, a depiction of what Peter was trying to say here. In the Greek word, in, in Greek, the word casting here is a combination of two different words. And the meaning is uh, upon as on top 
to hurl, to throw, to cast. And it often means to violently throw or fling something with force, right? Like if, you, if you're wearing a shirt and it got a bunch of wasp in it, you're going to fling that thing off of you, right? Right? <laughs> Can I share that? You know what I'm thinking. I, and my wife's looking at me because I, we were at a, wedding, did a wedding one time and she was sitting there and she had this, what you call those things? kimono, a big long like piece of clothing that she was wearing. And, and I'm talking to somebody at the wedding and I look over and Cassie is casting off that, that, that like little kimono she had. She's freaking out. She's throwing this thing off. And I'm like, what in the world is going on with my wife? I'm like, I'm like, people are going to think we're crazy. And so I go over, hey, is everything all right? She's like, yeah, I had a lizard inside of, inside of my, you know, that little kimono she was wearing. And so as you can tell, she doesn't like lizards. So she cast that thing off of her. She, she definitely, you, you, that's a great illustration. She wasn't playing with that thing at all. But that's the picture there. It's like, listen, I have something on me I don't want on me anymore, and I want to get it off. It's not just like, you know, like, okay, here you go. I'm a, I guess I'm going to give it to you. No, it's like, I'm sick of this, or I'm scared of this, I'm tired of this. I'm throwing this thing off of me, right? Listen, the only other place... Uh, this word is used in the New Testament is in Luke where the Bible says that they brought a cult to Jesus and they cast their garments on the cults. You remember when Jesus was coming in the Palm Sunday and all of that? This is important to know because it correctly gives us the picture of the flinging of a garment, a bag, or excess weight off the shoulders of a person onto the back of a beast such as a donkey, horse, or camel. So that's the word. Like they were getting it off of them and putting it on the back of an animal. You see, the Lord wants us to throw or hurl Every excess weight of worry offer our shoulders and onto his. This is the weight shift that I'm talking about. And this is why. Peter tells us why. Because he cares for us. Now let's look at that word a little bit deeper too. Because yeah, you can say, oh, you know, yeah, the Lord cares for us. But that word care here means, listen to this, to be concerned, to be thoughtful, to be interested. See, I think there's some people that don't, they don't really believe that God's interested in every detail of their life. But he is. I don't know who that's for today. I just felt like saying that God's interested in every detail of your life. It means to be aware, to notice, and to give painful and meticulous attention to. That's what that word care means. Like the Lord is, is, he sees and he is involved in every, he wants to be involved. He pays attention. He's interested in every little minute detail of your life. So when you're worried and weighed down with all these anxiety, the Lord cares for you. And he's saying, hey, one of the reasons he says, don't worry, because he's sitting there, standing there saying, don't worry. Why don't you cast your worries on me? I'm standing here waiting for you to give them to me. I can bear the burdens. He bared the burden of the world on the cross, right? And he still stands at the right hand of the Father to bear our burdens as well. He's aware of your worries and he's concerned about each and every one of them. The only way that I know that this casting happens goes back to the, the point before is in his presence through prayer. It's only through prayer. It's you, you having to continue to, to vocalize, Lord, I give you this worry. I give you this, whatever's going on in my life. I, I, I give it to you, Lord. I trust you. I trust that you're going you're gonna to help me through this, that you're not going to leave me. Like Joshua and Caleb, like they trusted that we can take the giants. We don't have to go at this on our own. Now, listen, I get it. It's, it's not where you just, you know, give it to the Lord or cast it on him one time and then you're done. 
It, sometimes you, you, you go before the Lord, you cast it on him, you give him all your weights, all your burdens, all your worries, and then, you know, you walk out of the house, you get to work, and then that worry is staring you in the face again, right? And it all starts bubbling back up. Hey, sometimes it's a constant thing, right? It's something that's, that's you know, that you have to, to continue to, to give to the Lord on a regular basis, daily basis, sometimes an hourly basis. But as soon as you start feeling those feelings of anxiety and you start thinking those thoughts, stop and take a moment to pray and say, Lord, I am making a decision right now not to worry. And Lord, I give it to you. Lord, I ask that you help me take this weight, take this burden. Lord, show me, speak to me, give me a promise, help me to, to get in your presence. Lord, that's doing a weight shift. You're no longer taking it upon yourself, but you're giving it to the one that stands ready to bear all of our burdens. Amen? Why don't you stand up with me? I want to pray for two different groups of people in here this morning. The first group of people I want to pray for is those that are weighed down with worry. If you do me a favor, if everyone would bow their head and close their eyes, and let's just go before the Lord and, and, and just out of respect for others, because you don't have to do this, and I just want to pray a corporate prayer. I'm not going to ask anybody to come down or anything, but, but with no one looking around, just out of respect, if you say, you know what, Brandon, I, I've been weighed down with worry. Like, we all go through worry, and we worry about this and that, but you say, Brandon, I've been burdened. I've been weighed down with worry, and I'm ready to get it off. If that's you, just lift up your hands to the Lord. I want to pray for you. Okay, look at hands going on all, all, over the, all over the building. Lord, I've been weighed down with worry. Come on, let's pray right now. And I want to encourage you to begin to do the things that, that we talked about this morning. Make a decision right now that you're not going to worry. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every single hand that's lifted right now. That has been those that are burdened, weighed down with worry. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help them. That you would lighten their load as they cast every care on you. Come on, do a weight shift right now. Just give it to the Lord. Whatever you, you've been worried about, specifically tell the Lord, Lord, I, I don't want to worry about this anymore. I I give it to you. Just, just as simple as that. Lord, I don't want to worry about this anymore. I'm tired of worrying about it. I give you this person, this situation. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray, my God, that the, the weight of worry and anxiety would be broken. You said be anxious for nothing, but with every, with every all prayer and supplication, make our request known to you. You said don't pray about any, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, Lord God, to tell us what we need and to thank you for what you've done. Then the peace of God, that surpasses all understanding, we guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I just want to pray God's peace over you. Father, I pray for all these that lifted their hands or maybe those that didn't lift their hands and that are worried. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would fill them with your peace, Lord. That peace that surpasses all understanding, I pray, Lord. Fill them right now. Just take a minute to receive God's peace right now. Just to receive the Lord's peace in your life. Come on, let feel that weight just, just lifting off of your shoulder. Feel that worry just melting away. In his presence, the mountains melt like wax. Take a minute to just receive God's peace. And if later today or tomorrow you feel that worry coming back on, come on, do these four things. Sometimes it's on a regular basis to, to, that we can continue to train ourselves not to worry. Come on. Now you're just staying in the presence of the Lord. Those of you that got your hands up, just slip your hand. Just put your hands down. You can continue to just receive from the Lord with your eyes closed. But before we go, I want to pray for one more group of people. If you don't mind, just putting your hands down. The other group of people here, as we've been talking about worry, maybe your main worry, the main thing that you're concerned about or you have been concerned about at one time is you're worried about what's going to happen after you die. What happens in the next life? Am I right with God? Maybe you worry, man, if, if, 
You know what? You see shootings on the news or car wrecks, and you say, man, if that was me in that shooting, that that wreck, where would I go? Would I be right with God? Would I spend eternity with the Lord? Or would I spend eternity in hell separated from God? With every head bowed, every eye closing in, if you're in here this morning, you say, Brandon, you know what? I'm, I'm not sure I'm right with God. I'm worried about what happens after we die, but I want to make sure that I'm right with God. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Brandon, I want to get right with God. I need, I, I'm worried about that. I see your hand, sir, ma'am. I see your hand over here. Hands going up all over the place. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Say, man, I'm worried about eternity. I want to make it right, right here. I see your hands in the middle. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hands. All right, let's pray. The Bible says that we've all sinned and that Jesus died on the cross to take our sin, to take our place. He made, he, we had a debt that we owed through sin and he paid that debt in full on the cross. So the Bible says if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved and to repent of our sins. So I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer right now. We're all gonna pray this together. So if you've lifted your hand, I want you to pray this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord, I know that I've sinned against you. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, I pray that you would break worry out of my life and that you give me an assurance of salvation and of eternity. Lord, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for helping me. Lord, give me the strength and give me the grace to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give everybody a, let's give them a hand clap right now. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Amen. Hey, listen, before you walk out today, if you lifted your hand or if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you rededicate, hey, listen, we have a, a card in the pew in front of you. It's a green card. It's a card with a green strip that says, I made a decision. Do me a favor and fill this out. We'd like to pray for you this week and get some more information from you. You can fill this out. Either drop it to the, at the info center uh, outside in the, the lobby or bring it to someone here uh, at the front. If not, God bless you. You have a wonderful day. We'll be here if you need prayer for anything.